What you want? We've got a mighty hard to listen, but it makes your rage glisten. Our voice is about the games, and you know we talk about the latest goings, more so than any other, and our mountain west matters. Well, will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you rant about this podcast too. Just a side where German and Allison matches and kiss between the bridges. We do some good interviews. And you know from Fresno all the way to Boise. From Logan down to Esty, they're calling out our name. Where will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you love this podcast too. All right, we're back talking more Mountain West football, previewing the season. Jeremy Moss here with Matt Kennerly. This week, San Jose State, Dan, MC Hammer, Alonzo Carter, Spartans. Let's not forget the head coach, Brent Brennan. You're oh. one of the new Spartans head coach. Oh, that guy too, yeah. We were, we were <laughs> discussing everything about the Spartans today. Uh, check us out. Um, we're on, uh, let's see, iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, anywhere you can find your podcast, uh, find us be awesome to tell a friend or two how about you do this if you guys give us a retweet we will give you a shout out on the next show if you help us share the knowledge of wealth i think we have on this topic i agree and that doesn't include those who already participate on the site we need people who don't write with us to do this anybody who does it's welcome but i'd like some new people so let's get to the show here because we need to make this one a under an hour if possible we'll give you plenty of credit here uh, spartans but I think 90 minutes is a bit too much for um, almost any team, not just what we've done in the past. But here's, like you said, Matt, let's start with the big, the big stuff. New coach. They bring in Brent Brennan from Oregon State. They bring in a lot of other coaches. Former um, coach Brennan was with the Spartans before, but they have a new head coach, and there's been some comparisons between him and uh, Mr. P.J. Fleck. And I think it makes sense on the surface. You know, you've got a guy who was a wide receiver coach, uh, you know, Oregon State before he made the jump to be a head coach here. And, you know, he's definitely emblematic of that new wave of head coaches that you're seeing where it's not necessarily all about having to have experience as a coordinator these days. Like you're seeing it in Nevada as well. But I think it's most interesting here in San Jose just because of what he's inheriting from Ron Carragher. So what is he inheriting besides a bad offensive line? Sorry, but... Well, I mean, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I think when you consider the three teams that have new head coaches going into 2017, you're talking about Nevada, Fresno State, and San Jose State. Personally, I think San Jose State is potentially the most interesting because 
you know, on the surface, we didn't really pay that much attention to them last year. They seemed like they were a forgettable team. But they have some pretty good pieces coming back on both sides of the ball. Like, I know we, we usually start on offense, so we can start talking about it there. But, you know, they have two of their three top pass catchers back from a year ago. They have four starters along the offensive line, which, yeah, we'll talk about that more in a minute. They weren't great last year. They have... You know, two running backs who combined for a thousand yards last year at, you know, a little over five yards of carry. So it's not hopeless, I don't think. No, it's not hopeless, but when you have your quarterback get sacked, when we discussed who is it we're talking about, um, I was speaking with one of the guys we previewed some of these non conference teams. Oh, University of Utah. I was talking with those guys about this game a couple weeks ago. It was like double digit sacks, and they brought in a new quarterback. I think it talk to in a minute but so that the sack <laughs> so the sack rate wouldn't crush your starting quarterback and so they bring in love to take the sits but there's what 11 sacks given up that's an issue and they but besides that there's other talent again bringing all these guys back on the line you're just hoping it's not the scenario where yeah we got experience but they're not very good last year but with the new coach new staff there's a lot more optimism because it's a new beginning like everybody has a new or a chance to uh, become a new starter for backup because new coach come in and they don't really care what you did last year for the most part. They'll probably take a little bit into consideration, but you got to impress during spring. And if those guys did, they'll be starting again, but they do have players back. It's, and it's good for the quarterback to with Josh love there. He's had some experience last year coming in for Kenny Potter every now and then. And so that will definitely help um, a little bit with some continuity, but Again, they like look at last year. They lose to Iowa State forty four ten. They gave up forty eight points to New Mexico. They gave up a lot of points to San Diego State forty two points. They gave up a lot of points. Like while well, their offense wasn't great from that offensive line, defense wasn't great either. Forty five to Boise, forty one to Air Force. All good teams, but this, this is way too many points. And we remember, uh, and then also uh, Tulsa game too, forty five ten to open the year. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to rebound and be division contenders immediately. But, you know, I I, I was kind of high on them last year in our season previews, and maybe I, I jumped the gun a little bit. But I think you could start to see a little bit, at least at the end of last year, from what I remember, of what this team could possibly be. What was that? What did you see then? I mean, I think we could start with a running attack, because one thing I want to point out right away is that if you go to CFB stats, for example, and you go to the Mountain West Conference and you line up, you know, by you know rushing offense by yards per carry, what you'll see is that the only team worse than San Jose State in the conference was Fresno State last year. But because the offensive line was so bad, it's a little bit deceptive. And what I want what I want to point out is that if you go to football study hall, what they do is they adjust for sack yardage because as, as everybody knows like traditionally sack yardage is counted against yards rushing right and so between their top four runners last year they averaged right around 2,000 yards and they averaged about five yards carry which all things considered is pretty good and two of those guys are coming back obviously Kenny Potter moved on and their leading rusher Deontay Cooper moved on but between the two guys they have coming back, Malik Roberson and Zamor Ziegler, 
maybe they weren't totally consistent last year, but you're still talking about two guys who ran for over 900 yards between them at over five yards carry. And I think if you're in a situation where you're still not sure what your quarterback situation is going to look like in the fall, you could do a lot worse than starting with that kind of backfield. Yeah, no, they they do have stuff there coming back in those two guys. And again, if that line gets even 20% better, that will help everything overall. And think of it this way. You mentioned the sack yardages that given up because what was allowed but also they uh if you think about it this way how much work do they have to do if the, if the defensive line knows they can rush past the line and get sacks how good were these guys to avoiding those losing big yardage plays or teams just stacking the box and to, to go for all blitz every now and then so imagine if the defense can't just basically force their will back there making the defense actually okay we need to play this coverage over this coverage because they know they can actually throw or they can protect and so i think mm. i think you're right there it could improve that much more just because defense can't focus on we know we can get a sack or get to the backfield easily there's probably some stat out there like yards after contact i'm wondering if san jose state's running backs were pretty high in that for how well they did rush for given how poor the offensive line was so if the defense has to be more honest that definitely could open up a lot more things but again that's a couple things it's offensive line clearly and then quarterback play as well if that can be just be a little bit better particularly the line like we mentioned that could open up a ton of things and i'm pretty sure the running attack will lead this team this year yeah and i mean i don't think we don't i don't have any yards per or yards after contact numbers in front of me but if you go by bill Connolly's highlight yards per opportunity they uh, both ziggler and roberson averaged over seven yards boom without even looking i thought that up there there you go <laughs> and so i think that that's worth I think that's a, that. Like I said, that's a very good starting point. But even beyond that, you know, the two guys that they have coming back as far as their leading receivers, between the two of them, averaged about 16 yards a catch. Even though they were throwing downfield, like if you look at Trey Hartley, his yards per target last year was nearly 10 yards, and Justin Holmes is averaging just a shade under nine yards per target. And you know, even if they weren't volume receivers, I think that if you have guys who have proven to be big play opportunists, that's another point that I think can work in San Jose State's favor. Do we know, speaking of quarterback, we mentioned a lot of Josh Law because news, unless you're at practice or listen to everything the coaches said in spring for them was a while back, there's not much coverage like the San Jose Mercury News. We mentioned this before, Jimmy Durkin's doing more Raiders and Major League Baseball stuff. They don't really mm-hmm. have a guy, so we're assuming to cover the team, which is unfortunate. And so is it going to be, is it assumed Josh Love, or could it be like Montel Aaron, Richard Freshman coming in and unseating him just because there's a new head coach in town? Like I said, everything's typically up for grabs. I don't know who's going to be a starter. I'd assume Love would get the edge, but nothing specifically said about quarterback battles or stuff at the moment from what I've been seeing or not seen. Yeah, you're right about that because they actually have – four guys who could potentially stick a claim to the starting job, not only Love, but uh, redshirt freshman Montel Aaron, who yeah. did pretty well in the spring game, Michael Carrillo, who actually only had one pass in the spring game, but it was a 45-yard touchdown, and Sam Allen, who I believe he's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So you got to like you know, four guys in the mix. Three of them are sophomores or redshirt freshmen. And while Love is the only guy with any game-time experience – I think that Brennan's going to be more than happy to kind of take as much time as he can to see who emerges in the fall race. My guess 
would be that love would be ultimately be the starter but right now in early june it's kind of anybody's guess yeah because love while love did play in all 12 games he threw he had two games here's where he played a lot the utah game where kind of weird they don't want to get love or potter excuse me getting crushed 11 to 21 and then he played a lot in the iowa state blowout lost 13 27 four picks in that game and so there's not a lot to like but not a lot to like i should say but he has been around so that's got to carry some weight but looking through like what Spartans did to spring game to take that into account, but I'm thinking like you, it's, they also they play. Think of it this way: we'll get to their schedule course, but they play South Florida week one or week zero, whatever you want to call it, the first, their opener is a hosting mm-hmm. South Florida, who's probably or no will be the number one team considered for the uh, group of five teams for uh, the big money bowl game, Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, whatever it may be. That's so gonna be a big challenge for them hosting that team with Quinton Flowers. And everybody they have new head coach Willie Taggart and all that fun. Or no, excuse me, um, no, not Taggart. Um, he's an Oregon um, Texas coach. Um, shoot, what's his name? Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. There we go. Yeah, I apologize for that. Th- yeah, so we'll see. I don't know with the line back running with the line coming back, the running, the running backs like you said, and decent amount of receivers. There's there's some potential there, but it's hard to tell because they weren't great last year, and so. Again, I think my main thing offense is just if their offensive line is that much better, this team probably could score an upset here or there against a team like, I don't know, Utah State might be considered an upset win. Um, oh, geez, maybe that's the only game I could see them maybe doing like that. At Hawaii could be interesting, but probably not. We'll get to all that. But that's if they're going to be anything decent, I think it's the offensive line, and then that will gel everything together, everything together to fewer sacks, clearly. Um, better running running game, better passing game, guys catching the ball. But I guess I go QB in line is my two uh, key points for this team to uh, if they're going to win maybe six games or be one win team or two win team. Yeah, and I definitely, I definitely think you're right about that. Just because, at least as far as pass protection goes, last year. I mean, here in Fresno, I watched pretty much every single game, and you remember how much I complained about how abysmal the offensive line was. Mm-hmm. But no team in the country last year was worse at pass protection than San Jose State was. They were dead last in allowing 50 sacks total. So even if they get to below average from abysmal, (laughs) that in itself could be really significant. But I think even more than that, if if you can find another receiver or two, whether it's Bradley Gaither, who had a big game in the spring game, or... You know, someone further down the depth chart like Rasheed Johnson or something like that. You know, I think they're going to want to spread the field and be a little bit up tempo and, you know, make life a little bit easier for Love or whoever is under center that way. And, you know, if they can find a quarterback who can make those quick decisions, that I think will make the offensive line look a lot better. It certainly will. And then with Brett, Brett, with Brennan, or, yeah, Brennan there, he was at Oregon State where they were okay offense. But one thing about him, he is a coach where he coached at San Jose State. So he's familiar with how this team used to be not very good. Like he was there at 05 and 06, actually 05 to 09. He bounced around receivers coach, tight end coach, recruiting coordinator, OC in 09, and then whatever, a million positions in 09. Listed technically co-OC, OT coach, TE coach, special teams coach in 09. Jeez, that's a lot to work on. And then 2010, he was just a receivers coach. So he's been around for a while. So he that's one plus two. He kind of knows what to expect with this where where he's at because obviously, like we said, they don't have a beat writer essentially, and you got all the pro teams. You have um, 
yeah, you got the Ra- what do you got there? Raiders for a time being. You got Giants, A's, Niners, um, Warriors out there, a million teams out there, and they're just kind of down at the bottom. Stanford as well, Cal in that same vicinity. And so having a guy there familiar with what's going on is going to be a pretty big deal. And one one quick note, um, on you said 50 sacks they allowed last year? Yes, I did. So Northern Illinois, which was best in the country, gave up only eight sacks. Their sack <laughs> yardage was f- less or fewer than the total number of sacks. 47 sack yards by Northern Illinois, yet the Spartans had 50 total sacks. So It wasn't good. It was not good. I just saw that. I'm like, that's a little tidbit there. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, you're right. Cut that into 25 sacks. Saw that's still not great. That's middle. Of, even they give up just 30 sacks, and they're, top, they're in the top 90. That's well, okay, to put that here's to add more perspective, just looking at the Mountain West standings in that regard, mm-hmm. Fresno State was next to last, and they only gave up 31 sacks. Jeez. Oh, just do that, right? Just do that. Yeah, exactly. Dude, so how were for San Jose? If you're banging your head for, for, for San Jose or Fresno State sack allowed, allowed, man, how are Spartans fans dealing with that? Jeez, four a game. I really hope they sent Kenny Potter some flowers when they graduated. Something or uh, pay for a CTE coverage only down the road. Yeah, exactly. So let's go to the de- defense here. Wasn't much better, but they do have some talent. We're working on our top 50 list, or at least some of us are. I'm working on that eventually. It might be up by the time you listen to this uh, down the road, but their defense, well, it wasn't like you, may, I, you may remember me saying all the points they allowed earlier in the podcast, so there's still a lot to work with on defense. What they give up like forty? Shoot, I had it here, but they gave up way too many points per game. Clearly, they were overall they were oh, here. We go. They were not last in one category. That's good, thirty-five points per game. But it's like when we mentioned with New Mexico a little bit, where they give up so many points. But it's not like the Spartans' offense will be anything special. Defense, man, if they could. I'm not expecting much from Spartans. That's why I'm sort of a loss for words. We're trying to dig deep to find some positive stuff here. And well. They do have, what's his name here, um, Frank Ginda? Is that how you say it? Or Ginda? I forget. Ginda, I believe. Ginda? And see, this is where I'm... There's him. That's the guy you got to watch out for. (laughs) Yeah, he's, you know, quietly been, at least in the last year and a half or so, quietly been one of the better linebackers in at least the division, I would say. But I think he's kind of emblematic of the fact that maybe they don't have units that are going to be great, but they do have some pieces in that front seven. Like you mentioned that they weren't exactly you know dead last as far as points per game allowed on defense, but they were dead last in points per trip inside the 40 allowed. And so if you're looking for a place where, or another place like with the you know sack totals on the offensive line where they say, well, if they can improve to below average, that can make a difference. That's one of those things. And I think it helps that they have a couple of guys on their on their defensive line who can pitch in, you know, guys like Bryson Bridges and Owen Roberts, who, you know, between the two of them, had 14 tackles for loss last year and six sacks, which is a lot more than some other teams in the division could say, I would think. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to be helpful. Like, I'm looking at the Athlon All-Conference. You mentioned guys, a couple of those guys mentioned. And I was looking, because I remember the past couple of years, we'd always joke a little bit, or kind of a sad joke about how their rush defense was just awful. It wasn't great was last awful. year, but it wasn't what it used to be like in 14 and 13 where they were just ridiculous. They're near the bottom. It gave them five and a half yards per play. So when they got inside the 40, I'm assuming they just 
ran and ran and ran. And team, they were the teams ran out. They were the third most, fourth most team ran against in the conference at forty five per game. And so those mm-hmm. guys, yeah, they, while they got all those tackles for losses, they still need to not allow almost five and a half yards per attempt. And I don't know how they do that unless these guys just get bigger and stronger and better because running defense has been an issue forever. Going back four years, I remember that Minnesota game they lost where it was um, stupid turnovers in the red zone, and they like a minute left and a half. I think they they Minnesota ran option for some reason for a while. I think the quarterbacks had like ten. It's like an Air Force game essentially, or New Mexico, giving up like ten completions or ten not even completions, ten passes, but they ran like for five hundred yards against them. It's been a, yeah. it's been an issue forever, and that's they always look for an area for them like it was red zone defense. Oh, is it no red zone offense? Because they've never scored in the red zone. We're like stop at the thirty and go for the touchdown, and then rushing defense has always been terrible. But maybe with like you said, Ginda back there, like uh, Bryson Bridges, that could lead to something better. But that's an area I always look at because they've always struggled. Maybe the, the, this new staff will make a difference. But that's always like my number one concern for their defense because their cornerbacks have always been great, always recruited well. But part of it is that they just um, San Jose State can't stop the run and so they don't pass as often and when they did pass these guys like when they had been a been wickery who was used to be at the panthers for a while they would make big plays but they never threw enough like the for a while last year wasn't the spartans pass defense was like under 100 yards per game it's because nobody threw against them and so teams will probably do the same thing because secondary is going to be solid but they'll just run and run and run 40 to 60 times a game yeah and i think if you're looking at last year's numbers for any glimmer of hope, what you can see... Help me out. How were they good? Tell me where's the positive here. Okay, so here's here's the positive. Sorry, folks. Because in general, yes, in the last three years or so, their run defense has not been good. But more so last year than in the two years before that, when they did get it together, they were much better against the run than when they weren't. In the four games that they won last year... They only gave up four yards of carry. And in the eight games that they lost, it was a shade over six yards of carry. So if you're if you're a Spartans fan, you're hoping to see a little more productive or a little more production from the front four. You know, if you're looking for guys like, you know, Cameron Alexander or Michael Berry, especially, to kind of step up and be factors along the front four. And if they can do that, that makes the guys behind them like Ginda or William Osai, you know, who aren't necessarily heralded guys, but they can clean up messes if you ask them to. It's just a matter of the front four kind of standing its ground and not giving up so many yards. True, and part of the front four as well, like they returning, they have, they lose two defensive ends last year, Isaiah Irving and Nick Orgiela, who did reasonably well over the top when they're better tacklers at, at that position. But they have guys like, if you look down their depth chart, Cameron Alexander, highly rated redshirt freshman. A lot of these guys, and then they said Bryson Bridge, he should improve overall from played 11 games, only 15 tackles, but he had a 14 and a half for a loss. Jeez, like we mentioned before, those guys will get better. And they do get they some decent sack rates, but they're going to miss seven or 10 total, seven from one um, Irving and two from Orgella. Jeez, Orgella, that's nine. But I think younger guys could step up because Spartans have recruited reasonably well despite this coaching uh, change because they had one coach um, their defensive back coach would just rake in talent after talent I forget he left somewhere Do you, did he go to Arizona I think it was a couple years ago you talking about Mike McIntyre going to Colorado no 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 the defensive defensive back coach that that was just recruiting oh. like crazy I forget where he went but he was responsible for being 
bringing a lot of good guys to to town there in San Jose. I I don't think he's there anymore. Yeah, you're right. He won like recruiting. It was only t- it was only two years ago that the only team in the conference to out recruit the Spartans was Boise State, hmm. and so those are guys now who are either sophomores or juniors. Where if you're looking for guys to kind of alleviate the transition from one system to another, those are the those are those guys, and those are guys like you know Cameron Alexander or uh, Brett Foley or Tyson you know, Parker, like, you know, guys like that. Yeah, Tyson Parker, one of the high, looks like. I, assuming I'm reading this correctly, the second highest recruits, or well, top linebacker recruit they've had in the past while, one of the top five overall with a composite from 24/7. So those guys, maybe this will be it, where these young guys get registered last year, or some have even played or were just on the sideline or whatever, watching and learning. Like maybe that's where the defensive line can help out or get help, but. They lost most of the production from a unit that wasn't very good. Same with linebacker, Christian Tago. I know he was injured quite a bit the past little while. He had 60 sacks in nine games, or six, almost 60 tackles in nine games. So you missed him. You Mark Amon, who had about 30 tackles for that for the year, losing their, those tacklers at the position. So maybe that's the bright spot. These young guys will step up and be significant contributors right away. And at worst, that's it's hard to say what I was going to say to be worse be as, as you were last year because that wasn't good. So maybe these guys coming up, and then they will – I still think it's going to be – and they're still a year or two away from contending, even though they're in the West Division. Not even contending, like contending for like even a bowl game. They're still mm-hmm. a while back from that. But the positive here, a lot of young guys recruiting that they received the past couple of years under previous regimes. I know a couple left due to there's some issues on campus. That wide receiver left because of, I think, it was a, some sort of assault thing is – couple weeks into the season but overall they have they've recruited pretty well and this year and probably more so next year's where that we'll be talking more about a bowl game and beyond because i remember last year i think i said four we were all over the board i think i said four wins you had them over a bowl game i think when chris did his uh, preview as well wasn't that same range close to a bowl game but they were, we were all over the board because we didn't know what to expect i think this team will be a little bit better than last year but i don't see the win total may not be there yeah, but I think the other thing, too, is that if they can get at least a little bit better against the run, they have one of the more experienced secondaries in the conference as well. And I think that there's really no reason that if they can improve on you know against the run and force teams into more passing situations, that I think could benefit this group a lot because you're talking about you know four, five, six guys in that secondary who had game experience in the last couple of years were young and also pretty good. Like I think you have to start with Andre Chachery, obviously, because mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, he was a first team All Conference pick, was he not? By Athlon Sports. I'll check. I know he had 14 pass breakups last year. Yeah, they had. Um, uh, yeah, Andrew Chachery was first team cornerback of the Maurice McKnight uh, third team safety. And even beyond those guys, I think the other people you would expect to contribute in the secondary have a chance to be really good. You know. And they're young, too, like sophomores like Trevon Bieria or Ethan Aguayo, who pitched in. And, you know, even between them had seven tackles for a loss, so they had maybe a little bit of ability to defend against the run. But even beyond them, you got guys like Dakari Monroe, who could step into a cornerback slot. You know, Jermaine Kelly, who has been pretty steady in the last couple of years. And I think that, you know... I'm trying to think. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. They have talent there. That's amazing. Yeah. They have a lot of talent there. Yeah, and you could see them improve by down last year. Like, 
if you look at the split stats as a pass defense, their worst down was first down. They give up the most yards. They had, you know, they gave up eight touchdowns on first downs, oddly enough, against one interception. But if you go from first down to second down, all of a sudden it's, you know, four touchdowns, four interceptions. And the up and the quarterback rating drops by about 25 points. On third downs is where it gets really interesting because at that point, quarterbacks completed less than half of their passes. They had the majority of the interceptions and they had a quarterback rating where the average quarterback might have been Chase and Virgil on third downs against this team last year. I think that's something you can look forward to. If they can get a little bit better against defending the run, you know, force teams to be a little more predictable, especially if they can play with a lead on offense and force teams to throw, that I think is where this team's strength is. Because when they were winning last year, they really had a chance to shine. For sure. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I, the main defensive thing, if the front four can stop the running game a bit, then if they were what they were last year, about almost just slightly below average, that would be good enough, I think, for them to yeah. show some. Because last year they weren't great. I mean, 2015, where they were giving up, yeah, still five yards of carry. They were giving up 5.5 last year. So if they could do that in 2015, that would help quite a bit. Again, like you said, you're spot on. Make them throw the ball. That's a way, a way where this defense can make plays and help the offense. So, all right, let's take a uh, – we're going to move on to the schedule here. We don't – or is there any special teams talk? Or we just kind of go kick, kickers are okay and we like kickers and punters? Right? I think both Bryce Crawford and Michael Carrizosa should be pretty good, and that'll help too. Yeah, Crawford missed two PATs last year, and then – yeah, they should be good. But that's fine. We'll move on from there. We'll get to those stuff later about special teams perhaps – in the season, but let's take a quick break and we'll get to uh, everything else to schedule to see what Spartans will finish up this year from our um, spot on projections, right? Exactly. All right, let's get to the schedule here for San Jose State. Like I said earlier on, they're, they're one of the, those week zero early games, a lot of Mountain West games week one. Um, taking on hosting, which is nice. The um, also likely, um, very likely, uh, leader in the clubhouse week one, week zero. San, not San, sorry, South Florida. I was going to say San Francisco for some reason because <laughs> they're also USF. <laughs> Too much of me doing West Coast Conference stuff for San Francisco basketball for those guys, the Dons. But they take on South Florida, new coach, like we said, Charlie Strong. They have Quinton Flowers, probably uh, one of the better quarterbacks you should know about. And it's at home, so that's a plus, but be a very difficult one for the home opener are you surprised that bill Connolly gives them a 25 percent chance to win this game i would say 18 percent of that is travel fatigue going from south that's a long trip south florida san jose <laughs> yeah but for the season opener though maybe that's okay new coach is probably why as well okay. even though both teams have a new coach you know he's also his margin of projected victory is only 11 points hmm and that it's hmm. I am surprised by that I think because new coach you're traveling across the country um, unfamiliarity on both sides your own coaching staff compared to San Jose's coaching staff but do you think Quentin Flowers would run very well as he'd want to and pass somewhat okay against this team but I expect Flowers have like 150 yards running by himself yeah I mean I think you're probably right like if if all the talk we just had about can they stop the run, <laughs> you know, you're going to get a test right away from the quarterback 
as to whether you can do that or not. Obviously, they're going to miss Marlon Mack, which I think is going to make a difference. But they've got two guys behind them who could probably, you know, replace that production between the two of them. So while I think San Jose State's ultimately going to be interesting, they could probably make this a game for about a half or so. I really don't have any expectations of them winning this game. They're not either. For me to say this is a success in this opener is a single-digit loss, like losing by, like, by 9 points or 10 points. But I don't even know if they could do that. Because when you look at what – like we're not going to dive super deep in South Florida and everything, but, again, they have one of the best quarterbacks. Like if they do well enough, Flowers probably or very likely should be considered like a Heisman, some sort of like – if they invite, invite five guys – and they're going through like maybe being undefeated or something. He would be up in that mix. Like even though he ran very well, he still completed almost two thirds of his passes. Had twenty four TD, seven picks, ran very well. And if you look what else they have, like let's go to like the rest of their offense. It's going to be an offense. Like I know what you think, whatever you think of Charlie Strong, Texas wasn't great. What he did at Louisville was really good. So if you go back to there and see what he could do offensively, overall there's a lots that could be done. And with South Florida. Like we said, Flowers ran. He crushed it on the ground. 1,500 yards was number three in the conference rushing. Their top running back is back as well, and he was no slouch. Uh, who was it here? Um, yeah, the Ernest Johnson still had 500 yards as the ba- as the primary running back. So I mm-hmm. imagine he's going to get better. I imagine Flowers, yeah, his numbers may come down, but more efficient. It's just I just see them running, running through this game, but to be honest, it's probably be a three-touchdown loss for San Jose State. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. So let's get our my spreadsheet going here so I'm keeping track. Uh, Cal Poly, I know Spartans aren't going to be very good, but they should win that one, right? Yes. So let's move on to Texas. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Their schedule is tough. They got Texas at Texas at Utah, which I'm hoping to be at that game. It should be then Utah State hosting. Um, we know Texas hasn't been great. They have a new coach. They have Tom, Tom Herman there themselves. They have issues at quarterback seems like for a while but they're not going to be texas what would who's better let me ask you this question this is more fun south florida or texas who do you think is a better team Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) i mean at this point wouldn't you almost have to say south florida i would because they have the better player quinton flowers and i'll keep mentioning his name a million times because he's great i would say yeah south florida is projected to have a great season or texas is hit or miss did they did Texas State didn't go to a bowl game last year, did they? I think they were five and seven, I think. Yeah, they were. I mean, to keep in mind though, that Texas they were kind of in the wilderness for a few years. I don't really see any reason why Tom Herbin wouldn't get them back on the right track. And they do have a pretty good quarterback of their own who was a true freshman last year in Shane Buchel. Assume he's the starter again, but yeah. Besides him, they've had some issues. Tyrell Swoops and other guys haven't been doing all that great. And so if you're expecting him to take a step forward, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, San Jose State may be game, but, you know, you're starting against kind of a a natural talent deficit in the Longhorns. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Here is one possibility where it might help out um, San Jose State in this game. Texas plays Maryland a week before, whatever. They'll crush them, I'm thinking. They get USC the week after, and they may be sleepwalking through part of this game. So there's potential something on those lines where, hey, maybe Texas doesn't really care for a while, and they realize, oh, wait, we're playing San Jose State. We should be winning this game. But they're kind of overlooking to see USC. I know it's early, and it's game number uh, uh, two for Texas. It'll be game number three for South 
um, San Jose, but that could be a possibility where Texas is a little bit slow. But as for talent, Texas should win pretty easily, I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree. Then you go to University of Utah. Um, like I mentioned. Cover your eyes. Yeah, when I mentioned our talk with the guys from Block U, I'm like, is there going to be another uh, all-time sack record in this game? Because last year, I think it was 11 total sacks they allowed. And it wasn't like eight. I watched th- that game. It was, it was brutal. I felt bad. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't like, I think, eight sacks in the first half, I think. It was. And they have, even though Utah lost a lot of guys to the NFL, they still have guys like, um, what's his name? I think it's Lowell Lotulale, the uh, cousin of Star Lotulale, the, uh, the guy from the Panthers who's pretty good in the NFL. That guy's out mm-hmm. there. And from you knowing Utah or watching them for years in the conference, to me as well, paying more closer attention. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's a pretty good defensive coach, if you haven't heard lately. And, I have. Yeah, you should have for what he's done. But, man, this one well, here's a positive for San Jose State. Utah has a new offensive coordinator. They brought in the uh, guy from Eastern Washington, um, Troy Taylor, to be their OC. Quarterback situation's up in the air. Probably still going to be Troy Williams, even though they're, quote, pretending to have a uh, three-team race for the quarterback. It'll be him. They have a new running back because Joe Williams is in the NFL now. With the with your 49ers, so there you go. Look forward to that, Matt. Okay. And that's in a position where I think San Jose State might be able to do something because the Utah's offense, like, to be honest, their offense the past couple of years, even with, like, Devontae Booker and Joe Williams running the ball, they've never had a quarterback since, no, not kidding, like a decade since Brian Johnson was leading them in the Sugar Bowl, beating Alabama. They haven't really had a consistent quarterback play, and so and Troy Williams wasn't great last year. So they're like you said, that secondary can step up due to the defensive line making some plays. I think this game will be closer than people think. Yeah, I would. I think I would agree, but for a different reason. You know, one of the things I've mentioned in past preview podcasts is that you know there's a correlation I think that Bill Connolly found between you know past production returning and you know wins the next year. But, you know, on the flip side, you know, when you lose a lot in your past defense, as Utah is, that correlates very strongly with wins the next year, too. And they have exactly one guy who, you know, started 13 games last year coming back in that secondary along their two deep, I think, in Chase Hansen. Former quarterback so Chase Hansen, too, so don't forget that. Oh, okay. Converted quarterback. He's supposed to be the dude to be the quarterback. And, of course, in fashion of Utah and TCU – Let's change positions to fit you better here. Yeah, so they're like losing all, literally everybody but one guy in their secondary. So if you're San Jose State, you're probably hoping that your passing game isn't a total disaster by this point in the season because that, I think, is going to be their best chance to pull an upset. There's that because they, like they lost, I think, eight players to NFL draft, a lot, a lot on the defensive line. Also, one thing to consider for me, you know, and Utah a bit more, their offensive line lost a bunch too, so... There, I think, like, what was this? If they could protect the quarterback, even okay, like, this will be a theme all year until they prove us otherwise. Because Utah game last year was, uh, what was the final score in that one? Uh, even though all the sacks is only 34 to 17. They were in that game for about a half. And I remember this, like, in the first quarter, they were toe to toe and doing very well, running the ball extremely, extremely well. Yes. And so that's. Uh, there's the positive look for last year. It's on the road, and I don't know who'll show up for this game because sorry, sorry, some Utah fans are not super passionate. And certain teams come to town, but it's a 
what, 7 o'clock uh, Pacific tip on ESPN2, so people will watch it, so maybe that'll be something. But I think it's going to be uh, – Utah's going to win, but I think it'll be somewhat close. So it'll kind of surprise a few people because Utah – well, I don't know. They started strong for – well, never mind. Last, I was going to say something about Utah starting strong or fading or something, but this game's also early in the year, so I will pass on that uh, misinformed comment I was going to say. All right, so then they get to conference play. The Utah State, this is a game where – what does Bill Connolly have here? I, I, let me guess. Without looking, I'd say about 50-50. Not even close. Oh, boy. 35% chance of victory for the Spartans in this one. Because Utah State, they, again, now this is a team where, yes, they have Matt Wells back, but every other coach, I believe, is uh, new, or for, or for the most part. Losing Devontae Mace to NFL. They have Tony Lindsay, who may or not be something. They're trying to run a super fast offense with David Yost there. But I think this is a game. It's at home too for San Jose, which is odd. It's only a one and three chance to win, whereas that what's that Utah game is um, well fourteen percent, but still. <laughs> Aggies have a lot to prove for me as well, so I'm not going to say guaranteed they're going to win this game. I think San Jose could. This is one of the games where, I guess it's an upset, but I think I could see that due to uncertainty for what Utah State's doing as we're talking about this during the summer. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you're right. I just I have a feeling that Utah State's going to be a little bit better than a lot of people think. So, I mean, personally, I have this one as a loss for San Jose State as well. I'm probably leaning that way because I've talked to the guy from the Salt Lake Tribune, their beat writer, as an unworthy new person there covering the team, and reading through everything they did and Matt Wells. I know it's sometimes hard to spring champion. Everybody's great. Spring football. We did good against our defense. Who knows exact plays we're running? And so sometimes it's a little bit to, hard to take into it. I remember they also lost uh, Rachel Lewis, uh, starting wide receiver. So that's a ding for them. But I'd still say Utah State because Matt Wells needs to win if he wants to keep his job. He's firmly stupid hot seat reference here in the summer. But he he was lucky to keep his job from last year. I think part of it was the uh, luck fa- unluck factor, I would say, them losing so many games by so few points and injuries to running back. If they get Tony Lindsay running well, Kent Myers we know is a really good quarterback, and you throw it to Rontavian Carver. That's something I don't know if San Jose State can keep up with. So I'll go with a Utah State win, but I think it's going to be pretty close. So right now, Spartans right. are 1-4. and four. Heading to Vegas, baby. Next week at UNLV. Oh, man. Is this um, where the um, Armani Rogers um, takeover happens? And people get pumped because he's starting week five or something? Well, no one knows Six. just yet. But it is kind of interesting that these two teams, at least on offense, are kind of mirror images of one another. You know, they both have experienced offensive lines coming back. They both have at least a couple of really good receivers coming back. And they both have shown a propensity for running the football. It's just a matter of who's the quarterback going to be. Sure, that's the thing, because the uh, Rebels have arguably, they might have the best receiving core in the conference. Or close to it, because last year, remember they they had to move everybody over, like defensive backs playing out there, just because of all the injuries they had an unluck factor. Like Devontae Boyd um, is their way. Still, it's Devontae Boyd or Adams who they have this year. I forget they have Devontae's. Devontae Boyd. Boyd. That's right. I apologize. There's a lot of Devontae's, and so it's a little confusing sometimes to recall who's around. But I think you're right. If UNLV has a quarterback, whether it's um, Armani Rogers, who probably seems likely to be the guy after spring. Or they have um, Kurt. Um, oh shoot, what's his name? Johnny Deck. Yeah, Deck, Johnny Stanton as well back there too. So they have a couple guys. 
Sorry, I'm blanking on names. That's par for the course, folks. My name recognition sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a roster in front of me either. I'm kind of doing the sometimes blind when I want to mention players. I'm like, oh, crap, I need the roster, but I don't have it. But regardless, quarterback situation is up in the air. And I think UNLV, like I know this is a Spartan show, but if they're playing a team that doesn't have a solidified quarterback or they're playing Rodgers, who's a redshirt freshman, there's going to be mistakes to be had. And it'll be a great matchup. Just like all these great – like this is – if you like – or like if you're an NFL guy – or you want to watch good receiving matchups, this is probably one of the better games all year to see this with the defensive backs that San Jose has going up against these um, UNLV receivers. So that could be that probably could be the key of the game where if UNLV can throw the ball. But again, like who is the running back? With Lexington Thomas, if he gets something going for the Rebels, that it's always going to come down to that running game for me for Spartans. Yeah, and to that point, like in last year's matchup, San Jose State won that game, but it was because UNLV wasn't really able to throw the ball at all. Like between Palandek and the departed Dalton Sneed, they went like 12 for 30, which probably isn't going to get it done against anybody. Nope. You know, to me, the bigger question is who's going to be able to stop the run a little bit more. And at least for right now, like I like the... I like the way that San Jose State is trending, but I like UNLV's running game a little bit more. So I feel like this is probably a first to 40 kind of situation, mm-hmm. even with the quarterbacks up in the air on both sides. But I kind of like UNLV a little bit more in this matchup, so I would have them winning that one. This is a clear 50 50 matchup, according to Bill C. I'm going to go with that you because right. it does, because it's a home game for Rebels. So I'm going with another uh, loss, unfortunately, for. You guys out there in San Jose, let's go kind of rapid fire through these a little bit here. They have Fresno State October, next week. This is their one of two games they're favored, and the other being Cal Poly slow and uh, 60% chance. And you're the Fresno guy. You want to see a victory. It's um, it's on the road, but what do you see happening in this uh, matchup early? Uh, since we don't know who the quarterback – well, we know who the quarterback is, but what Jeff Tedford's going to do with the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I think more – the bigger question is, like it is with Utah, like are they going to be able to stop the pass because they're replacing three guys in the secondary in Fresno as well. And they didn't really show much of an ability to stop the run last year either. So while, yeah, I would like to see a victory at home, I'm not exactly betting on it. And I have San Jose State winning this game. I would say I'm going to go San Jose as well just because we agree on everything. Is it because I hate Jeff Tedford? Maybe. Or no, I hate the hire of Jeff Tedford? Probably. But <laughs> it's unless Jason Virgil has a big game and does what he can do. But Spart- um, I would say the Spart- like you said before, they're trending upward a little bit more than other teams perhaps. I don't think Fresno State's trending upward at all because I they only won the one game last year. They were a mess. And they brought in the coach who – might be past his prime or hasn't coached in a decade or so, whatever it's been, five years. But I'm going um, Barton's victory. So Okay. Two wins. So then they go to Hawaii. They're going to lose that game the week after because Drew Brown and your our favorite coach, Nick Rolovich, is going to do something crazy. And uh, let's make this prediction. If Hawaii is down 10-0, to the benches will be removed from their sideline for the whole game. I can see that happening, yeah. What makes you think this being a road game for San Jose State, going up against a team that has a good running back, a good passing game, that Spartans could make this make a case to win this game? 
same thing as you know their chances against Fresno. Like, Every other game. <laughs> because like it, you know, same thing in Hawaii. They're replacing three guys in the secondary as well. So you think that's going to be an issue there? The reason for the outcome? Yeah, I mean, I think Hawaii's ultimately going to have enough on offense to make up for that in this particular game. But I think that that's the thing that San Jose State could probably exploit if they get their quarterback situation under, under control because they have the pieces there to make that work. Did you know Hawaii has three first-team defenders from Athlon, the only uh, preseason all-conference team out right now? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to say that's the reason they're going to win? Well, I mean, yeah, I would say that too. Okay, just making sure you don't mention any defense. You got Drew Brown, Dice Juiced. Uh, they got uh, Dijon Allen protecting the quarterback, uh, John Usa uh, on the outside. So, all right, that's good. They're gonna this could be a victory for Hawaii. Even though, do you know the percentage of victory um, projected by Bill Connolly here? Uh, I do. It is forty six percent. That seems high. It does. But I'm still going with Hawaii for that victory right now. So then they go to BYU. Uh, you know, B- um, San Jose State beat, beat, beat BYU a couple years ago. And fans, I do remember that, And yes. fans are not happy about this in, in my <laughs> neck of the woods because lose a freaking San Jose State? What are you freaking kidding me? And we'll talk about BYU a ton because they play half the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at Laville Edwards Stadiums. And it's after bye weeks, so that will definitely help going to Hawaii back to San Jose a week off and go to Provo one state over. I don't see – this is going to be – I'm going to make a prediction now, and they're not going to like me about it. This defensive performance by BYU in this game will mirror the Utah game in the amount of sacks allowed by the Spartans' offensive line, or potential to, oh. because their linebacking group, like look at Athlon and some other publications, have BYU's linebacking group about a top 15, and they have at least one NFL player back there in that position, I'm assuming. At least that's the – early early 2018 stuff but that's gonna be an issue but here's the i'll give you a positive too guys don't think i'm just hating on you byu doesn't have a running back at this point at all and they don't have a running quarterback and the receivers aren't very good right now well they do have a quarterback who could throw though they oh (laughs) they do have that (laughs) but specifically the running portion he's he scrambles a bit, like side to side, more of a pocket mover to throw, but they don't have a guy like Jamal Williams, NFL running back. They don't have like Taysom Mill who could run and hurdle University of Texas players, but their offense is going to be interesting because playmakers are limited. Yeah, Tanner Mangum, their quarterback, is going to be pretty good, but the receivers last year, they made no downfield plays, part of it being who the quarterback was, but a lot of drops, and they lose their top three receivers. And so I'm not saying San Jose State's going to win, but – this is a game where if I think this um, defense for San Jose State could potentially have uh, some success against an offense where, yeah, it's week 8 or 9 or 10 or whatever week we're at this late in the year. Things will probably be together better for both teams. But going off what we know now here in the summer, BYU is going to win, but the offense doesn't look good outside of their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I have BYU winning, they say, pretty comfortably. I just feel like even despite those holes, they always seem to find guys to make themselves a competitive team. You know what I mean? It, they, they surely do, and it, they're like, they'll probably be fine and we'll win this game over San Jose State, but just mention like, if you want a bright spot where there could be some success, that's where it is. Whereas okay. they're, they, right now, they, it's, they probably know who their starting running back is, but 
it's going to be three different guys back there. They're going to implement the tight end. That could be a little something different there that helps them out with the passing game. That's probably I – I can almost guarantee their leading receiver for BYU might be their tight end, despite not having one the past four or five years with the spread attack with Robert and I there. But Spartans, I'm just saying, like, if they can protect the, the quarterback, there could be some – this game could be interesting. All right. Then they go to San, San Diego State back home. That's a loss. <laughs> Sorry, Richard Penny and Jawan Watson or, or Lawson is going to run over you like a tank. Anything about a possible win there for you? Or no. no. Let's just move on. At Nevada. Winnable game, right? Winnable game. Definitely. New coach as well. They have Jay Norvell, um, Matt Mummy um, there, Timmy Chang. So all the, all the nice um, pass-happy uh, quarterbacks, coaches in that game. It's a road game, and it's nearly a 50-50 split. And I think... One matchup to watch, like we mentioned last year, is for Nevada, the rush defense was pretty bad for most of the year with who they lost the year prior in 2015 to 2016. I still think that's an area where this game could be won or lost by who can run the ball better, even though Nevada may not run that much. But they have James Butler, who arguably could be the best running back in the conference this year. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm I'm teasing our our eventual Nevada preview a little bit. I just don't have a great feeling about the Wolf Pack in 2017. Well, so, why is that? I mean, we'll we'll talk more about it once we get there. Okay, then this this specific game certain. then, like what's your uncertainty about this game then? Like are they going to have a good enough defense to stop what I think is a fairly promising San Jose State offense? Also, at this point, Nevada. Also, back to Nevada, like the, their offense, they don't know who their quarterback is. You got Ty Gandry, but it could be Dave, Daniel um, or David Cornwell from Alabama, who hasn't done the past yeah, like in five years. These two teams last year, it was like the Wolfpack won, or rather the Spartans won a pretty ugly game between them. So I guess it wouldn't surprise me if it were somewhat the same. Like, I think that san jose state's secondary matched up really well with the nevada offense last year and i really don't see any reason why it wouldn't again mm-hmm. and that's why i feel like san jose state could go on the road and win this game interesting i think i'm a bit higher on nevada than most people i think if, maybe it's the mummy thing or norvell what they're wanting to do spread attack but i think they have a solid enough running game where that could make up for quarterback issues, if there's any. With Plus also, when Ty Ganji played, he played pretty well last year. He wasn't a terrible quarterback when he had to come in in relief. And so I'm going with the Nevada victory because they're at home, and I think they have the more consistent pieces in place, what we know in the summer right now. I think we finally disagreed for yes. the first time. <laughs> Good. Good on us. All right, next one really quick. At Colorado State. Um that's a loss. loss. Um, they have three running backs at this point because of Ken- McKenzie. Kinsey's back. Not McKenzie. Kinsey back doing something maybe. And Nick Stevens. Um, people that like my tweet recently about um, me saying um, maybe Nick Stevens is better than Josh Allen. Yeah, that was that was all you. That wasn't me. At Jeremy Moss. And my specific thing was statistically better. There's a difference, right? Okay. No, you know. <laughs> That's you like said that, it, okay? not me. I'm just saying if um, Josh Allen could have been considered number one this past year, he only completed 52% of his passes. So, Just saying. All right, next one. Wyoming hosting San Jose State. Um, <sighs> this is a brutal preview to do. I'm sorry, Spartans fans. We're trying here. 
Um, here's a positive. They're given a 40% chance to win this game at home. It's on November 25th. Is that Black Friday or is that? The, yeah, it's a Friday game, so I think the time's already been set. Oh, it has not. It'll probably be a mid-afternoon game, I'm assuming, like those 4 o'clock afternoon games on Friday after Thanksgiving. But this will be a test, I guess, if you want to look at a certain things where Wyoming running back is um, at least heading into the year question, which could help that defense up front. And then let's see what C.J. Johnson, Wyoming receiver, does against any of these uh, defensive backs on San Jose State side. And will Josh Allen just be stupid and make some dumb plays if they force some interceptions? I guess that would be kind of one thing to watch, wouldn't it? Because the secondary is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So if Josh Allen kind of devolves it a little bit into bad Josh Allen, that could make this game a lot closer than it probably should be. True, because if you, not to go off on one, I mean, really quick, but the best defensive backs they play. I know Hawaii has a couple. Um, Utah State should okay a little bit. Boise. There's not that many good defensive backs they face this year, like until San Jose State. Like CSU has a decent defense, but Air Force lost everybody. New Mexico can't protect the pass. Boise lost, I think, they have Tyler Horton back there, but Texas State, Oregon, Gardner Webb, Iowa. This will be probably a top two or three defensive back matchup for Josh Allen and then trying to find CJ Johnson or whomever else gets open. Because there's also but, bad Wyoming as well, where they screw up every now and then, too, because this is a road game for them. Because if you remember, UNLV last year, they gave up 60-plus points in triple overtime in a loss. Yeah, at the same time, though, I don't know that I would necessarily want to bet on bad Josh Allen in any given week. And if you listen to our Wyoming podcast, which if you haven't, you should probably do that as soon as you finish listening to this. I already had this down as a Cowboys win. Me too. And don't, like you said, the only way, like if you're looking for stuff to look at now, because this is what, last week of the year, everything's going to change and be different, but... If you're looking for optimism, home game for Spartans, defensive back favors uh, them against the Wyoming offense, and the running situation for Wyoming is probably not going to be as good as last year. So that means, what do you have, Matt? Three wins? I have them at three and ten, and two and six in the Mountain West. We have the same league record because uh, did you have them beating Nevada? I didn't keep track of your games. I did. You did. So Nevada, Fresno, we we're boring, but three and ten. Sorry, Spartans fan. What would be okay if they're let's really quick to finish this up in like three minutes. If they're going to get like an upset or two, like to get to well, let me rephrase it. Are, what's your percentage of like them getting to a bowl game? Because they have to get seven wins. Seven wins. Ooh, okay. Ah, twenty percent. Twenty percent. I might go five. I think what's going to help them most in that regard is if they can pull an upset in non-conference play. Like, I think they're going to have to be one of South Florida, Texas, or Utah. I'm just not totally certain that they're going to be good enough in the first month of the season to do any of those things. I don't think they could beat any of those teams. And the closest one I might see is South Florida. But then again, they, that's probably this number two quarterback on the season they're playing. Maybe three, third best quarterback. Because you got Quinton Bobbs. I mean, man. Because in conference play, I really don't see much reason why they won't be competitive because they do have a couple of definitive strengths, I think. You're overlooking... Wait, wait. You're overlooking they play in the West Division as well. Exactly. As a strength. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, I have them beating Fresno State and Nevada, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to hold serve at home against Utah State or Mm -hmm. if they caught Wyoming on a bad day. Or even UNLV. 
UNLV. I definitely think all of those things are possible. But then again, those games, you mentioned UNLV, Hawaii, Nevada are all road games too. So. Yeah, they're going to need to win one of those games on the road. I think and they, I'm not sure again. I, if they're going to win any, any of those road games, I think I'd give UNLV the best chance. I would too. So, man, we agree too much. What's, what's, well, hope you like agreeing <laughs> podcast folks, agreeing everyone. But uh, that's our, our San Jose State show. We did uh, keep it to an hour, not 90 minutes. So either you're welcome or you can yell at us if you didn't like us that we didn't talk long enough or praising enough of San Jose State. But yeah, we'll see it happen. So that's our show for tonight. We'll have another podcast uh, next week. And who are we do next week? Who's the next show we're going to do in order? Is it going to be uh, Nevada? Because we had a lot of clamoring for Nevada at this point. We have, and so I think we should give the people what they want. We'll get them some Matt Mummy love, right? Talk about uh, the was he the grandson of Hal Mummy? Is that correct? I thought he was just his son. I don't know. We'll look. We'll find that out next week because we're going to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so th- that's our show for tonight. Check us out. Uh, we're on Sound. Uh, no, no SoundCloud. Oh, that's been long gone. Why do I keep saying SoundCloud? We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. Tune in. Check us out everywhere you can find your podcast. And as always, yeah, we're biased against your team, folks.